unfiltered, uncensored, and unapologetic. This is the Retail War Zone Podcast. We had a suggestion on Twitter when I was asking about different things to cover. And one was uh, suggested that how come we get into the retail world, but we don't leave because it's kind of like a cult. You know, I thought that was a good one. So with this topic, you know, I don't know why it just, it just came to mind. I was like, oh, Stockholm Syndrome. And, you know, I looked that up and, and there's some questionable things about the actual event that, you know, it's named after. Um, a lot of people, you know, say that it's fake or whatnot, but it is something that entered into like the mental health lexicon. And it is something that actually is quite relatable when you research it. So what I'm going to do first is I've got a slide that talks a little bit about what Stockholm syndrome is and notice, see if you notice any similarities. All right. So it isn't a psychological diagnosis. Instead, it is a way of understanding the emotional response some people have towards a captor or abuser. Sometimes people who are held prisoner or are subject to abuse can have feelings of sympathy or other positive feelings towards the captor. This seems to happen over days, weeks, months, or years of captivity and close contact to the captor. A bond can grow between the victim and the captor. This can lead to kind treatment and less harm from the abuser as they might also create a positive bond with their victims. So why do you get Stockholm Syndrome? Uh, not all people who are in situations experience Stockholm Syndrome. It's not entirely clear why some people react this way, but it's thought to be a survival mechanism. A person might create these bonds as a way to cope with the extreme and terrifying situation. Some key pieces seem to increase the likelihood of a Stockholm Syndrome. These include being in an emotionally charged situation for a long time, being in a shared space with the hostage taker with poor conditions, e.g. not enough food, physically uncomfortable space, when hostages are dependent on a hostage taker for basic needs. So the impacts of this, um, some of the symptoms, embarrassment about their emotions toward an abuser, confusion, guilt, difficulty trusting others, uh, PTSD, nightmares, insomnia, flashbacks, startling easy. After abuse or being held captive, they might also have many other symptoms, including denial, social withdrawal, chronic feeling of tension, feelings of emptiness, feelings of hopelessness, depression, anxiety, learned helplessness, excessive dependence, and loss of interest in activities. So, that seems kind of familiar, doesn't it? So, some examples of that would be, for instance, say you work for Apple, all right, and you work for Apple Retail, and it sucks, it's terrible, and you know the company's garbage, but you you love the brand. You love Apple. There's one. Or say you work for Walmart. You know Walmart sucks as a company, but you love your manager. Even further, you know, look, you work for Guitar Center. The compensation sucks, but you have a bond with your coworkers. I mean, it's, it is 100%. <laughs> You know, when I read this stuff, I was like, oh, my God, it really does describe working in retail. Um, let's see. Hybrid Hoogan says, currently on the road, want to say hope everyone has a good Thanksgiving and safe Black Friday. 
safe trips back down south. Uh, Maiden says, I felt pressured by my family, friends, and higher-ups to stay because the money was so good. As someone with no college degree, I felt pigeonholed that this was the best I could do. Spoiler, I could could and have done better since then. (laughs) Amanda says, "Uh, why are you reading my life story? (laughs) Um, Philly says, I saw just about to say that. (laughs) Joey, over here pays less than everyone else, but I like my coworkers and will feel bad for leaving them. There you go that right there that that's a a prime example so uh, when when i was reading these things and i i I was thinking about like you know my own mental health you know during my entire management journey i mean if we go back and look at this i mean just look at the the symptoms you know uh confusion difficulty trusting others i mean if you get burned by hr or you get burned by another manager or a dm yeah you know, uh, nightmares. How many of us have dreamt about work? Insomnia. Can't sleep because you got to be back up early in the morning. You got to reset or a project has got to get done. Flashbacks. Oh, anytime you drive by somewhere you worked, you know, you're like, ah, but, you know, social withdrawal. You know, you, you all of a sudden you don't like people. You know, you don't want to talk to anybody. Uh, always being keyed up. You know, uh, there's your chronic feeling of tension, feelings of emptiness because it's just a soul sucking job, and and you and you feel hopeless at the same time. Depression and anxiety, obviously, loss of interest in activities because you get home and you don't want to do anything. And when you look at the why do you get it when hostages are dependent on hostage taker for basic needs? Yeah, getting paid. I mean, it's, and as far as it being an emotionally charged situation, look at what time of year it is. I think that sums it up. I mean, it, 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 and this was just, this isn't some brilliant Steve thing. You know, this was just kind of like, let's go check this out. And I'm reading it. I'm like, holy shit. I mean, this really describes it to a T. I mean, does anybody disagree with that? So having said that, how do we get trapped? And kind of to piggyback off of what Maiden says, I've said this before, and this was told to me many, many, many years ago. And it was, you know, retail will never pay you what you're worth, but they'll pay you just enough to keep you. And that's true because, you know, I think there's some reasons why we get into the business and why we do not leave. One of the biggest things is there's been no really, you know, documented path or instruction on how all the different skills you learn being in retail are transferable to other industries. There's little blurbs here. Oh, you know, you, you, you deal with writing people up. Oh, you got HR experience. Well, no, you don't have a piece of paper that says, you know, you have a degree in HR, so that doesn't transfer, you know, customer relations, you know, you just because you work retail doesn't mean you get to go work for a PR firm, even though that you have those skills. So there's no roadmap. There's no pathway that gives people hope that they've been doing this for so long and all the things they've learned and done, you know, they can take that to another industry. And Barack Harris says you could do wicked good as a police negotiator. Probably so. And Hero has a good point. The lie of, I put up with it this long, that must be worth something. And then you find out when you hit the wall, it's not worth anything at all. But, you know, so when when you you don't have a clear path forward, and, and even jumping from like a store level to a corporate level, look, there, there have been a couple of times I've worked places, you know, I always wanted to get in like planogram design, 
you know, store set design, stuff like that. And had tons of merchandising experience or whatnot. And, and there were internal job boards that have these jobs posted. And I'd apply and never, ever got a call back. Nothing. It, it, that, that ceiling, you know, of may, being able to make the jump from a store to corporate is damn near impossible unless you know somebody which is, you know, pretty much everything these days is, is who you know. It's not how good you are. Um, let's see. Irish says, at least the hostages in Stockholm were released. <laughs> true, true. Uh, Amanda says, I've been told I will be a good corrections officer. You would be frightening. Um, Philly says, it's absolutely right. We have to de-escalate situations with a hell of a lot less than cops and on a daily basis. That's true. That's true. But, you know, even though that's a great skill, I mean, it, you, 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 you have nothing to back it up. I mean, you know, they want these pieces of paper saying that you've got a degree and it's like, it, it just doesn't work that way. So there's no clear path forward, you know, for people that are in retail. Another reason is in a lot of these situations, sure, you might want out of retail, but unfortunately, you know, especially if you're management, you can't afford to take the pay cut to start over at the bottom in another industry. You just can't. I mean, it's, it's, you know, by that time you've established, you know, a certain standard of living and, you know, you may have a family, you've got bills, you know, that have accumulated through the years. I mean, you've got a car payment, all these things were done, you know, based off the salary that you're making and you can't move forward and, and you can't break free. And then another one is just fear of failure. I mean, I think that, you know, you get scared that, you know, trying to get out, what happens if you fail? Especially if you have a family. I mean, it, that's a horrible, you know, that's a different kind of stress that you have to, to deal with. So, I mean, there's a lot of reasons why. And I don't think it's because it's, you're comfortable, obviously. I mean, you know, the, it's a very uncomfortable industry, especially now. Iron Maiden says, my old boss told me that I couldn't go anywhere else and make what I made there. So it became can I really leave and survive? Yeah, exactly. Proto, good to see you. Good example. I applied for that store manager. Never had an interview or conversation with a DM about it, but we all know he saw the application. Yeah. Hello, Amy. Good to see you. Um, she says, there is a way to corporate, but that is more time as a CS rep on a phone. Take the physical setting, but back-to-back phone calls. Got you. Amanda says, reason why I'm not using my degree, money. And that's another thing. There's a lot of degrees out there that you guys are getting that, you know, back when we had the episode about drugstores and I had my friend Chris on, you know, I, I specifically remember when he graduated college and, you know, he was working for Sears and, you know, he was going to go get a teaching job. And then Sears approached him and said, hey, you'll make this much money if you, if you take this manager position. And it was way more than what the teacher was going to make, which is a travesty in itself. And that's a topic for another time. But he got stuck. You know, he, he, he basically wasted four years of college. You know, however much money he put into tuition and whatnot and got pulled in to retail because of the money. And it took him forever to get out. You know, uh, Joey K says they have pre-picked candidates for those corporate jobs. They just put out the option to apply so they can say they look, but didn't find anyone. I, I do agree with that. I, I, and if not pre-picked, they've 
agreed that it's going to be somebody within the corporate office. They're not going to let somebody from, you know, the field actually come do that. Uh, Jason says, I have a degree. You wouldn't guess what it is, but they wanted real job experience before they would hire me. The retail was paying me what I would be making, so I got sucked into retail. There you go. And Amanda's degree is in the medical field. So it, it's, I don't think it's a lack of people wanting to leave. I mean, obviously, we can see with everything that's going on with the labor market, that's not it. But, you know, it's uh, a situation where there's too many unknowns that most people are established in the retail industry aren't willing to take that risk. It's, it's like I said, it's fear. I mean, you know, there's this fear, even though you may not. I mean, you know, there's this fear you can wind up on the streets, you know. And and then you've burned a bridge in the industry and you can't go back. So uh, Sean says, I got a master's in business management after a year long in, internship at Yale. Graduated grad school shortly after the housing market crash. I couldn't get a job anywhere. Domino's took pity on me. There you go. Um, unpaid internships are a scam. Honestly, just made me remember that. That's true. It's free labor for experience. That's you're a hundred percent right, Maiden. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a cheap way to have bodies that you don't have to pay. <laughs> and that's also awful. Uh, Jason says you burn that bridge and can't get back into retail. Yeah, you, you, you can't. Um, and you know, that's why your exit is important is, you know, how you get out is just as important as getting out because you never know when you're going to have to go back. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a horrible thing because you know if you're in a store all right and let's say you work up from you know an hourly person all the way up to store manager the chances of going to dm are very slim unless you're part of the good old boy network as jason just posted and so you're not going to get to be a dm so therefore your your upward mobility with the company is over so you're stuck being a store manager. The best that could ever happen is maybe you get transferred to a store in a different market and, and there's a pay bump associated with it. But if you're a store manager, if you can't cross that line into being you know, a DM, you're doomed. It's over. There, there's nowhere else for you to go. And the only option you have then is to go to another retailer. And then it's rinse and repeat, and you do the exact same thing over and over and over again. And you know, I told the story that when I got started in retail management, you know, in the nineties, it was not uncommon for jumping around to different companies because that's how you made your money because the raises still sucked back then. I mean, you're looking at 1%, 2%. I mean, it's pennies on a dollar, but what would happen is you'd work two or three years somewhere. And there were a lot more headhunters at that point in time in the retail industry. They would call, you know, and say, hey, I'm such and such recruiter from so-and-so. Would you be interested in talking to us? And the first thing they always did was, well, how much money are you making now? And then you tell them, and 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 if you're smart, you lie a little bit and tell them you make more than you actually did. And they'll come out immediately back then with, oh, we can pay you such and such. And then the conversation started that way. Now nobody ever wants to talk about the salaries. But back then, when retail was really growing, you would get that information like first phone call. And, you know, that's how I increased my salary is, is I bounced around. And, you know, that's an unfortunate way to do it, but that's the only way you're going to get it, you know. Um, 
Hero says, most people aren't trained to run a 5K while jumping so many hurdles. Eventually, you just quit jumping them, and the finish line seems too far away. Or you just fall flat on your face and don't even get back up and attempt to hit the finish line. Uh, Joey says, actually, wait. The last store manager left because of how annoying the DM was. So my store has had two managers in the past two months quit because of how shitty the DM is. And guess what? That DM probably knows somebody, and that DM is probably liked by people up above. And probably gets protected because God, Amanda and I can tell you some stories about that kind of bullshit, can't we? <laughs> um, Iris says Stockholm syndrome is about falling in love with your capture. Why do some employees fall in love with corporate? Is it fear of not being good enough for another job, et cetera, et cetera? I agree. I believe that is it. You know, <coughs> and I do think there's a lot to be said about teams. All right. You know, look, when I worked for Guitar Center, I loved it. All right. I wasn't making near as much money as I was making prior. And prior, I was working for Jesus's Craft Store. I mean, we're talking a significant cut in pay. Significant. But I loved the people that I worked with. I mean, it was like, it was like 80s debauchery. You know, I mean, it, but, but it was fun. I mean, and, and you know, we all got along and, and we stuck it out for each other because we just enjoyed the team that we had in the environment. So that has a lot to do with it. I mean, that does get comfortable when you actually have a team of people around you that actually bonds like that. And it's rare, but when you do have that, you do get scared to leave it because you think about your experiences elsewhere and you never had that before. And then you think, well, okay, maybe this isn't so bad. And you know, like I said, just for people that like want to go work for Apple or like any of these main, you know, brand loyalty people they want to be attached to that name so bad they'll give their soul to work in a store just to say they work for said company even though they might be getting treated like garbage and the pay is awful because the quote unquote they're in love with the captor so to speak you know uh proto says um bouncing around gets you better pay but also makes recruiters wary to hire only if you put the right things on your resume. Just remember that. Nothing wrong with keeping something off. How are they going to prove otherwise? There's not like some big, you know, database of careers. Trust me. Um, Jason says, or you can be just, just be like me and plow through. Um, Sean says, I think part of the issue is how people think of employment. People think they're lucky to have a job at all. And that mentality makes them put up with all kinds of BS. Uh, that's true. I think that's changing, but that's true. Um, Amy says, it is hard to leave the teams we love. Yes, absolutely. Misery loves its company. I miss my GameStop crew and my first uh, Rent-A-Center crew, but I couldn't stay for financial reasons, and it sucked. I, I agree. There's a lot to be said for the team. A lot. You know, that's kind of like the Band-Aid, you know, on, on the injury, so to speak. Um, it makes it sufferable basically intolerable um hero says show of hands how many can say it's simply the devil you know that's pretty profound i think everybody could raise their hand for that one but yeah i don't think there's you know a definitive answer as to why we don't leave i think it, you know there is a certain amount of comfort and i do believe that like, for instance, when I worked for what is now the joke $1.25 tree, I loved my DM. I thought my DM was great. 
the company was going down the shitter pretty fast. And and I just want to get let everybody know the number one Dollar Tree in Canada has always been a buck twenty five. So this is nothing new. And number two, um, you know, they've been planning these increases for a while. Um, yeah, it does have a lot to do with, you know, cost and stuff like that. You got to think the one thing I will say about Dollar Tree is this. Look, when you guys go into a Dollar Tree and you see all that frozen food and like lunch meat and stuff. Spoiler alert. They make no money on that at all. They sell it at flat cost. They sell it just to get people in the building. Where they make their money is on like paper plates and paper towels and toilet paper and stuff like that and all those party goods. But there's a lot of stuff in, in that store that makes zero dollars. Zero. And so it was bound to happen that a buck twenty five was going to hit. But I mean, you're talking about a quarter. <laughs> so I mean I know every bit counts, but I mean it's not like they went up to like Dollar Tree went to like five below kind of prices. So, um, but yeah, and also understand that Dollar Tree, when they purchased Family Dollar, bragged internally about how they were going to pay that loan off so quick. And um, when they did that, Dollar Tree and Family Dollar combined, believe it or not, is the largest amount of stores in the United States. So it's technically the largest retailer in the United States. There's more of them than there are Walmarts. Think about that for a minute. But, you know, the sad part about them going up to buck 25 is, is it's a known fact that Dollar Generals, Dollar Trees, Family Dollars, they're very exploitative of low-income areas. So when you look at it from that way, yeah, you could say it's a quarter, but in the grand scheme of things, you know, you know it takes four items to spend an extra dollar and a lot of those neighborhoods they you know prey on that means a lot so um jason says not like dollar general nothing in there is generally a dollar nope joey says dollar tree is the place to hit up before a party get all your mixers plates cups and snacks also that's where the kids come to buy their movie theater box candies before they go to the theater so that's true too and that's where a lot of people come to steal and that's that's a terrifying thing uh mariah karen says some of the best sellers at my store make less than a penny profit and are only there to get you get you to buy the shit that's like 99 percent profit yeah 100 percent, correct like i said that's why dollar tree sells the frozen food and stuff it's you know it gets people in the door you know they're hoping that you know as these people are buying you know a shopping cart or cart full of dollar baloney that oh well shit i need paper plates or oh shit i gotta get toilet paper and that's where the money comes in and trust me they make a pretty well they used to i don't think they make that much now because there was a helium shortage but boy balloons were profitable as hell extremely profitable um amy says dollar general in my hometown took the place where the video rental store used to be and i am heartbroken um yeah i mean god dollar general uh, from an exploitation standpoint they're really worse than dollar tree and they'll put you know we've all seen the memes they'll put dollar generals just about anywhere they'll put it on like some road with nothing but trees there's one lot that's cleared the dollar generals on it there's no lighting you know it's like a jason Voorhees, you know playground there's no security 
it takes forever for cops to get there, but by God, they'll put one and they'll make sure they only have one person working <laughs> when they close the building. Um, Irish says, oh, Mariah Carey says, saw that today, no helium. Yeah. Um, he, the medical field gets first dibs on all helium. And actually the helium that, that you know, party places get is like a really crappy like remnant of like real helium is the way it was explained to me. Um, but yeah, there was nothing worse than like Valentine's day coming. And then we used to joke and call that balloon again. And the, the helium guy would show up and bring in like 20 of these huge tanks of helium. And you got to like try to find a place for them. And then there was a thing, some, somebody somewhere knocked one over and the cap came off and it was just like in the movies and it shot off like a rocket, <laughs> it went through a wall or something. So, you know, their idea of safety was you have to have a chain wrapped around them attached to the wall. So that was fun. Um, Irish says, why do you think that retail resumes are not as transferable to other industries despite lots of transferable skills? Is it a stigma that retail is viewed as less than other jobs? Um, yes and no. I don't think people know how to properly write a resume, myself included. I mean, I haven't really tried, but, you know, how you can take each individual skill set you've learned through your career and mold it into a resume that, you know, a bot will be able to pick up on all the key points. And that's the thing. There's, there's nothing out there research wise that helps somebody in retail who has these skills. I mean, think about it. All of us did payroll. Do you think we can waltz in and be a payroll manager somewhere? No, we can't. But God, if you've been a store manager, you've been doing payroll for decades. <laughs> So, I mean, it's not like, and, and you've probably used just about every system in the world. I think we're all familiar with Kronos now because they're taking over the world. Um, if Hell, if you use Kronos for three to five years, there's no reason why you can't be a payroll manager because that damn program does it for you anyway. So, I don't know. I mean, I, I do think it's looked at, you know, as like a lesser business. And I do believe that it's looked at as low wage, lower potential individuals, and you don't fit in with their white-collar crowd. I think that's a huge part of it. You know, I think the personality, you know, that they associate with a retail manager or a retail worker is unsavory, so to speak. Um, and then Jason says, did you see yellow? McDonald's or Dollar General? Yep, exactly. Um, Mariah Karen's correct. There's definitely a stigma around people in customer service jobs. Um, yes, not seen as skilled labor. Um, Jason says, Irish, I know banks like retail managers to run branches because now that's true too. Now that's something that that the hero could speak on, that, which I think in a way is kind of bad. You know, wouldn't you want your branch manager to be like a long-term banking person? So they'll hire some retail manager off the street to run a bank that has like no experience in the financial industry at all, but yet won't promote tellers that have been there a while. Think about that for a minute. That's kind of weird, ain't it? Um, let's see. Maiden says, I had a conversation about I-9s with my current operations manager, and she was shocked that I knew all about that shit. Well, yeah. <laughs> See, there again. You know, I mean, 
the, the I-9s, I mean, oh, God, Kira. I mean, you remember at Marshall's, there was that, like, template that you would put over the I-9 that if, because you know, it was like a learning thing for people who just couldn't figure it out that showed you, you know, everything that needed to be filled out, how it had to be filled out, et cetera. It was crazy. Um, ATS is an evil machine for resume uploaders. Um, let's see. Philly says, well, to be honest, we would be good as higher ups. We give a shit. And that's true. And that's probably one of the reasons why we never get to be. Because think about this. If you're a corporation, the people that are on your board, the people that are running your company are all about the dosh. They want, they want the ching, right? They don't really care about the field. All of a sudden, you somebody from the field becomes high up in the company, and all of a sudden, they're the pro-employee CEO. Shareholders can be pissed off because they don't care about that. <laughs> so... You know, it, and, and case in point, all right, so not to get too much off the subject, but uh, Philly, this brings up a good point. So, yes, I had an interview yesterday with uh, a lady from um, the BBC, all right? She asked me this question yesterday. She said in her country, you know, because it's Brazilian, um, so, yes, we're going global. But anyway, she said that in her country, there's a lot of arguments that all of the protections and contracts that they have in place to protect workers actually hurt the economy. Because why? Because it cuts into profits. That's why you'll never see an uprising here of where boots on the ground managers start making their way up the corporate ladder unless they're of a certain makeup that they can abandon the crews that got them where they were. So, yeah. yeah. So, you know, the economy war rewards sociopaths. Um, and then Mariah Carey says, not true, Sean. Have been rewarded yet? Sure you have. You, you work for a great company. <laughs> Um, Joey says uh, to Hero, is it really worth it to have everything crash eight times a day and make the whole process for customers three times slower? Mm. I think at this point in time, a lot of us here wouldn't care if the customers had to wait an entire day. I think we're pretty much sick of all of them anyway. Going back to that whole, you know, it makes you not trust people. Customers are awful right now. Awful. I mean, hey, look, you know, in my line of work right now, I got to witness, you know, an entire town almost riot because we didn't have cranberry sauce. Oh, should have shopped earlier. You should watch the news. You know, there's this whole shortage thing. You were warned. It's not our fault. Ooh, that's a good one. Irish says, in terms of the Stockholm Syndrome, do you think upper management and corporate are hostages or captures? I want to say captures that have been converted, brainwashed. That's where I think the cultish part of it comes in. Once you hit corporate, you're not, you're not a captor. You're part of a cult. You know, what's up, baby handsome? That is the individual who suggested this topic. So welcome. 
This is your house. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I think that, you know, the comment that they made in suggesting this was about it being a cult. And I think where the cultishness comes in is at the corporate level. You know, everything below corporate is imprisonment. You know, everything above is Jim Jones drink the Kool-Aid. We'll die on, on that hill. You know, whatever the company says, you know, the company be like, okay, we're, we're going to, we're just going to buck the system and, and we're going to pay everybody less than minimum wage. And we're going to see if we can get away with it. And they'd be like, yay team. You know, they would follow them into a volcano kind of thing. But I think that's the difference. Um, and you know, it's, uh, it's just kind of sad. And when you look at it that way and you look at the labor movement as a whole, I mean, that's really where the divide is. The divides between the captives and the cult leaders. And there's no, you know, middle ground. And now it's a war between the two. You know, the captives are breaking free now. And that's the one thing, you know, we talk about how you get stuck and you don't want to leave. But by God, something has happened in the past 365 days where people are actually taking the risk and they're walking. And that is an important, important movement that is going on. And uh, pizza party. Yeah. <laughs> pizza parties taste like ashes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, so uh, Maiden says they adapt to survive and start to take on that way of thinking. Brainwashing, really. Exactly. Because there are people that get into corporate, right? that they it's the brand thing there are people that work in these corporations that do it and will do heinous things on behalf of the company just because they think it looks good on their resume or it makes them proud that they work for said name company and these same people are the ones that wouldn't survive you know 30 minutes in the store the day before thanksgiving I mean, I know that Dollar Tree looked trash, uh, Mariah Karen, but let me tell you something. There's probably a store manager in there about ready to pull their hair out and, and, and jump off a bridge because it's hard. It's like really, really hard. Um, your wife thinks you're a cult. Ooh. Um, the shoppers, definitely. That is definitely a cult mentality right there. Absolutely. Um, Joey says, I mean... I do give a fuck about customers, but corporate obsessed with doing anything to make sure the customer aren't slightly inconvenienced, yet they use like Linux version one and a 0.5 kilobyte router to run everything. Yeah, and what they'll do is that they'll blame it on the store somehow. Oh, there was there was like a, a box of like, you know, stock on top of the, the Cat5 cable and, and, it's, and it's the store's fault. But here, here's a gift card, you know, and 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 that's, that's terrible. Oh, oh, she says the retail war zone is a cult. Eh. Cult personality, maybe? I don't know. Not a cult. We're part of a movement. We're part of a bigger thing. And, uh, you know, we are a platform for people to come on here in this chat and do the things that we're doing right now. Now, if I start, you know, chanting and wearing sunglasses on stream and start doing like really weird shit, and your wife might be right. But for now, we're good. We're straight. No cults here. 
Um, I'm not, I'm not passing around, you know, I'm not like, Hey, donate to the cause. No, there, there, there is a monetary part to the cult thing. So let's just remember that, you know, anybody heard of Scientology anyway. Oh, she knows she, she wants to be part of it. Speaking of which, um, is she still down for the, the spouse episode? That's another thing, guys. Um, Irish had made a suggestion about doing an episode where I could have, you know, some spouses of some of us come on and talk about, you know, their side of it, you know, what they've seen us go through. And I think that would be an absolute fantastic thing to do. And, you know... It is uh, anybody that wants to participate in that, please let me know because I think that would be fantastic. Um, obviously, you know, everybody's anonymous. We're not going to spoil where anybody's working or, you know, who they are. Um, but I think that that would be some great insight. And that's something that if somebody ran across that video that's never seen us before, you know, that would be very compelling because look, I make no bones about it, and 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 she'll she'll agree. Been plenty of times I've been a difficult son of a bitch to deal with because of all the stress I went through, and you know I'm not alone there. And I think it, you know, the point that Irish made was there's not a lot of emphasis on what you know this business of how it affects a family, and I think that's something that that would be worth. Go a road that we should go down. To be honest with you, um, yeah, she watches with you every week, and your cat does too. I love the cat people. The, the cat pictures; those are great. Um, baby handsome says my husband would be able to share that I came home crying most nights. Hey, look, I'll, I'll take any volunteers. And like I said, I mean, it, it's it's not going to be a shaming thing. It's like people need to know. People need to know because I can tell you there's nothing like that out there right now. I mean, A, there's nothing out there right now like what we do, okay? But some of the topics, like a topic like that, I can promise you there is nothing out there that has covered that. And to have people on and tell their own personal story about what they witnessed their spouse go through or the challenges that their relationships went through due to the demands of the retail business, I think it's something that is, you know, I got no problem with that being a two hour show. I mean, that deserves some time, you know? So if any of you out there want to do it, please let me know. Um, because I think that would be great. I think it'd be extremely enlightening. Uh, Amy says, mine would say, just say, I drink less and I am less angry. You know, you know, when, when you guys were on, Amy, one, one of the things that got brought up is there's a common thread to after you've been in it so long and got burnt, one of the behaviors, it, the anger. I mean, the anger is real. And, and it's not something that you can tangibly explain to somebody why it's there. But by God, your family knows. I mean, you're just mad at the world. And people have a hard time understanding you know, well, the job can't be that bad. You ever done it? Chances are no. So you don't know. Grumpus. 
she calls me. Nice. Um, Jason says she can tell you how my health because is because of retail. Hey, if you want to have her on, we'll do it. And like I said, now I'm a little bit more free to do stuff. So it doesn't always have to be a Wednesday. That's why you've seen some Mondays and some Fridays. So, you know, it, it doesn't have to be a Wednesday night. I mean, we can work this out to where people, we, we can all do it. You know, uh, Amy says the anger was real because I felt like I was giving everything I could to those companies and I got absolutely nothing in return. Yes. There's that feeling of emptiness and helplessness from the Stockholm syndrome. So see, Circling back to to the topic, as we discuss these different things, you can literally just match them up, you know, to the symptoms of proposed Stockholm syndrome, and and that's that's frightening. I mean, think about it. And um, you know, a lot of it too is, I mean, we're slave to a dollar. I mean, that's that's really what it is. I mean, we, you know, we've got to have money, and you know, that's the thing. I mean, we're dependent on these companies to provide for us. That's a horrible place to be. I mean, horrible. I mean, unfortunately, that's just, that's just how life works. I mean, you got to work, you know, but you know, it's, it's very telling. And like, and like I said, I was really kind of floored this morning as I'm going through all this stuff and I'm reading all these things. I'm like, Holy shit, man, I got lucky on this one. This was like dead on. I had no, I had no idea that it was going to be at all. Um, Russell, good to see you. Says you're at the top of the store, but just a pawn in the game. That's how life is, not just retail. That's true. But you do have the opportunity to change that. There are risks involved. Okay. And look, I some of us are lucky. All right. I'm I'm lucky to be doing what I'm doing now. Not everybody has the option. I know, Maiden, you're much happier and you have a much more fulfilling, you know, career. And it can be done, you know. The biggest thing I would tell everybody is there there are, you know, things you're going to have to give up mostly, you know, to to fully get out and find some peace. You know, you're going to have to make some concessions. And, you know, at that point, it just becomes whether or not it's worth it to you to do that. Uh, Iris says, I was stuck in the Stockholm Syndrome in my own family. To my family's detriment, I believed in the opportunity. Yes, that is, uh, that's the, um, that's the key, you know, it's, they always pitch the opportunity and that's why I really enjoy seeing like with the anti-work movement and whatnot, this whole thing about, you know, people having the balls to go into interviews now saying, Hey, well, how much are you going to pay me? You know? Or, or challenging them on like, okay, you know, you want three references for me. Can, can you give me three employees to talk to, you know, to tell me, I I think that amount of ballsiness and that, that kind of thing that's going on now is really going to help with this whole situation, but it's a slow burn. It's not going to happen overnight. And, and I do agree, you know, hero and I talked about it. And then when berserk was on, we talked about it too. It really is a waiting game to see which side is going to blink. And I was even asked that yesterday, you know, she's like, you know, who do you think is going to blink first? And, and I'm like, I, I, I don't know that answer. I hope it's the corporations, but just the fact that in two years time, we're now at this point shows that progress is being made, that we can eliminate the Stockholm syndrome of being in retail. We can make it, you know, be something worthwhile. 
and and I'll die on the hill, you know, in a couple of interviews I've had talking about, you know, people don't understand if one company would just go from being so customer centric to employee centric and actually taking up for their workforce, that will go a very long way with starting a change in the industry. It's just going to be who's going to have enough balls to to risk the loss of profits by doing that. And it's coming. Somebody's going to. I don't know who it's going to be. It probably sounded really small, you know, but but it's going to happen. Um, Baby Handsome says, how about that Amazon commercial showing how they helped their worker become a nurse? I have not seen that one. Um, <coughs> what else we got here? Uh, Amy says, it's hard to get out of the syndrome. Once you get out, you realize how traumatized you were. Yes. Yes. I, I agree with that. You know, it's once you do get out and you have time to reflect, you all of a sudden realize, holy God, I put up with that for how long I was treated like that for how long? And do I have anything to show for it? Most time? No, not at all. And that's, and and that's the bad part. And you're a hundred percent right amy on that one i mean when you do get out that's when it really hits you how bad it really was and uh that boy that is a, that's a tough pill to swallow too and uh but you know it's <coughs> it's always about how you respond you know at that point and i agree also there needs to be a university study on people who have worked retail long term to study this type of stockholm syndrome um, I got somebody for that. <clears throat> Actually, Vanessa, who was on, uh, has a degree in um God, I don't wanna I don't wanna botch it. I don't I don't wanna, you know, misspeak, but she has a degree in like basically um the behaviors, all right. And she had pitched an idea of really, you know, from a academic behavioral standpoint, why people aren't going back to the workforce or why people are leaving these jobs. So that is definitely something that, you know, she's willing to research and um, <coughs> we can have her back on and do that. Uh, Hero says, I had the girl at the Lord's Chicken notice my shirt today and say she's been thinking about applying at my location. I advised her it wouldn't be her pleasure. <laughs> That's hilarious. Our regular angry IT guy, welcome. Those Amazon warehouse ads are disgusting. I think anything with Amazon is disgusting. I mean, all you really need to know is, you know, that uh, we, we, we put in, you know, phallic symbols into space. That's our priority, you know. Um Maiden says, keep slinging Jesus's chicken, girlfriend. You don't want any of this, LOL. Yeah. And, you know, there's some very pleasant people that work there. Retail would kill them. It, they would, it would just break them. Let them, let them be happy serving chicken nuggets and, and, and whatnot. Stay there. Stay there. Hell, most of the places you can go to ain't going to pay you as much as you make in there anyway. It ain't worth it. So... <laughs> do the Lord's work, sell the Lord's chicken and, and embrace being off on Sundays, man. I've got to guys, I'm going to have to check out some of these Amazon commercials. Cause I, here's the thing. I don't watch television. All right. I haven't had cable in probably 10 years. 
I don't watch TV. The only thing I ever w- watch is uh, football and, uh, and only college. And every once in a while, I'll watch wrestling. So if these things are running on TV, I have no clue. So I guess I'm going to have to go to YouTube and check out these, these, these horror stories because it, it sounds like, judging by the chat, they're pretty appalling. You know, seeing how he's made enough money this year that, you know, probably just the interest on his bank account could feed half the world. A hundred percent Amazon is fucking awesome propaganda. That's well, I, I, yeah. Well, let me ask. All right. Since we're on this, who, who's the lesser of two evils, Bezos or Musk? Oh, hero. You're right about the Lord's chicken. You're at least you're guaranteed one day off. And, you know, kind of piggybacking off of uh, the episode with Alki, you know, the one thing I um, I really would like to see happen more is, you know, this whole penalizing people for discussing pay. You know, um, I, I think that, uh, you know, that should be normalized. I think, you know, if you're operating above board as a company, you won't care if your employees talk about how much money they make. But if you're trying to hide it, there's a problem. Um, Musk, at least he encourages competition. Um, oh, good point, Amy. Lives in Texas and not far from either, either Bezos or Musk operations. They're both the same type of evil. One just has some semblance of people skills. Mm-hmm. Oh, good point. Just wait until the long-term associates age out. <laughs> Iris says they are two cheeks of the same arse. Um, oh, yeah, you did send me that. My bad. Uh, Musk is a toilet who grew up rich on family money from mining in apartheid Africa. You know, I. the only thing I will say about it is you know, I, I admire the push to go to Mars because I, from a, from a little boy, I've always been into the space program and like UFOs and all that stuff. So I'm interested to see where that goes, but I, it, it would not surprise me that if it, he turns into like Dr. Evil and like winds up saying I'm the king of Mars or some shit, uh, that, that would be hilarious. Um, Oh, that is good. Maiden. Arrogance masquerades is brilliant sometimes. Wow. So let me ask. We're on this this topic about the Stockholm Syndrome. How many of you in the chat have tried to get out of retail and go to another field, but were never called back, never interviewed, you know, never had any contact? I mean, are we under the assumption that we can say that if you worked in retail for a long period of time and you're applying for jobs in other fields, they're just ignoring you at this point. I've never really tried it. So I really can't speak to that too much. Amy, how far do you live for, from, um, uh, Gaylord Texan.
you can vouch for that, Maiden? Yeah, I, w- I would think that most of us, if we actually started applying for jobs elsewhere in different fields, nobody would call us at all. Uh, far enough, Waco area. Yes, man, the Plano. I enjoyed the hotel. I'm sorry. That that, that was some swanky digs. Uh, that just shows how they were wasting money. Anyway, um, Mariah Karen says, I left the theater and moved to a new city, and I was unemployed and applying everywhere. Retail was the only place I was able to get interviewed, let alone a job. That's about right. Um, Joey says, I've gotten to the point of looking at other fields, but then I see what people go through in the recruiting process and say, never mind. Mm -hmm. Uh, Hero says, I've had that experience trying to get out. Iris says a few times, one interview mostly ignored. So um, I guess there it kind of proves the comment earlier that there's a stigma, obviously. You don't want the peasants getting into the good jobs. It's really what it seems like to me. Oh, Mariah Karen says, oh, wait, I did get an interview with a job that turned out to be an MLM scheme. Uh, Russell says, I went and worked at the tire place, but F that 12-hour swing shift. Oh, that's right. You, Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Uh, Baby Handsome says, the only barrier to employment to retail employment is a mirror and a good social security number. Oh, that's uh, you're, you're right. I'm assuming you're referencing um, with the social security number, credit checks and stuff like that, because, yeah. that. And by the way, that's another thing. They can say all day long that these companies don't really look at that, but if, if you're shit, I would love to see some sort of study on how many people that were qualified for jobs were denied because of their credit, because I, I, that's just ridiculous. That has nothing to do with whether or not you can do the job. But there are literally companies out there that believe that if you have a bad credit score, you're going to be a thief. I mean, and, and that's that's something that definitely needs to change. That's, that's a topic we should we should discuss one night. So, um, so this has been an interesting one. By the way, guys, if you didn't see the post, next week we get to have an actual former human resources manager on I was able to finally pull it off now this person in discussions is actually a pro employee former HR person and I found them on Reddit on a post that they had on anti-work talking about things that you should not do and it was good information and Um, They closed out their entire post with get unionized because businesses are terrified of unionization because it disrupts the profit machine. So, yeah. So we get to have us an HR person on next week. So be kind because this is not your typical HR. Um, So, but has some experience with it when when I approached them and I sent them links to everything and whatnot, they're, oh, I, I want to do this. And I'm like, okay, you know, what night's good. And, and Wednesday was fine because like I said, they're former and they'll go into their story when they're on. So because they're former, they have next week free. So Wednesday just happened to be the day. And, uh, but yeah, that will be a fun one. 
Uh, let's see. What's a uh, terrified managers are taught to bust any a union activity. Oh, I know we've talked about this before, man. If somebody mentions a union in the building and as a manager, you tell your DM all of a sudden it is like this SWAT team from like mission impossible coming through the ceiling and, and they got, you know, they're, they're like stormtroopers, and it's like this big movement to talk to everybody and tell them about how bad unions are. And if if any of you guys didn't watch last week with Alki or listen to it, please do that because that was a fantastic episode and we're going to have him back on again to do like a Q&A. He is, if you haven't subscribed to his YouTube channel, please go do so because he has some great, great, great content. Uh, Amy says, I will be nice because they are former. I want all the tea from the HR office. Yes. Yes. Um, uh, Mariah Karen says, heard on John Oliver that some companies slam into busting mode. It just defrays living wage. You know, living wage thing, you know, it was an eye-opening experience. We had Nick Calshon, you know, when we did the minimum wage episode because I didn't know. And I went and looked. I mean, he was right. When you look at the actual law from 1938, minimum wage was always intended to be a living wage to help protect the health and safety of the workforce. So, it was always meant to be a living wage. And you've got these yahoos out there that when you say, oh, we want a livable wage, and they're like, oh, blah, 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 blah. You know, it's minimum wage. Guess what, ass clown? The minimum wage was supposed to be a livable wage. It always was meant to be. I mean, that's just insane. So, um, Maiden says, union reps post up at the gas station by the Amazon warehouse by us and approach workers getting gas constantly. Hey, look. I think that's what it's going to take, uh, you know, and, and in some of these interviews I've had and just doing the podcast and whatnot, you know, one thing I have noticed is a lot of people asking about unions that never did before. You know, they're curious as to what it's about. You know, they're curious as to can this help us? And I think Mariah Karen, you know, you had a great question last week talking about if you if you're working for a company who the wages are good and everything's, you know, that they seem to be moving in the right direction, was it still worth organizing? And I thought his answer was perfect. You're happy with it now, but a union makes sure that you're gonna be happy with it five years from now. So I mean, beautiful point. Squid Puppy says, only recently did I realize how brainwashed I was about unions because of the nonstop anti-union training management received. Yeah. Like I said, I, I fully, you know, there's a reason why I retweeted it. You know, I'm proud of that episode. I thought, you know, Alki was extremely prepared. Um, he knows his shit. And, you know, it was very eye-opening. And I thought it was great to have that back-to-back with Adam, you know, talking about Target Workers Unite and then rolling into with Alki. I think that was fantastic. And I think that was information everybody needed to hear. And I think, you know, the pros and cons of it, you know, I I was clueless. Like I said, being in the Southeast, I don't know a lot about unions. So it's, uh, it's, that was fascinating to me. I, I really, really enjoyed that. And we'll have him on again soon. So... Uh, they act like the phrase is a union dog whistle. They're threatened. They, they're absolutely threatened about it. And they should be. I mean, because think about it. You know, if, if a place unionizes and all of a sudden there's contracts and there's higher wages forced, oh God, we know how these companies, I mean, we live in a, com- a country right now where you guys have seen this on Twitter, where rather than paying people a livable wage, they're trying to sucker retired people back into the workforce. 
I mean, this is where we're at right now. That that is a sad state of affairs when you're seeing like pictures of elderly folk smiling with like some sort of "Hey, come work for us and and you know do something with your time." Come on, man, is it that bad right now? <laughs> that is awful. That is just awful. So, um, but yeah, so we've got the HR next week, uh, Friday. Like I said, I'm going to do something Friday night, uh, you know, at eight, I'm going to go through, I'm off that day. So I get to monitor all the different news reports and whatnot. So I'm going to compile all that stuff during the course of the day. So we'll have like a black Friday recap Friday night. Um, if we all get on the, the bingo card thing, that'd be fun too. Um, but we'll, we'll get it all wrapped up and, uh, you know, it'll be cool. And, you know, as far as the war zone goes, Hey, you guys, thanks for participating. I mean, you know, we're gaining some steam. I mean, we've got, you know, so far right now, I think there's three articles in business insider. And now I have this one that is, you know, the Brazilian BBC, which really came out of nowhere and was like, Oh, okay, sure. And that was a, that was a really great talk with her. She was, she, probably the the best prepared has the best questions uh I'm, I'm really anxious to see how this article comes out and um it probably will be one of those that you'll have to translate it via google translate you know when you right click on the website or whatnot but i mean hey it's kind of neat to talk to a dc correspondent for the bbc in brazil so hey you know good stuff uh well not amazing. I'm only as amazing as the team and you guys are the team and you guys are the family. I mean, it is this, this is, she asked me, all right. She closed out this thing yesterday. Are you making any money off your podcast? And I'm like, no, do you want to be? I'm like, this is a passion project for me. If I never make a dime off this, I'm okay with it. I don't care because it's about the message. It's about your guys' stories. It's about, you know, all this stuff. I mean, it's, it's not about me. I, I'm just, I told her I was just happy to give people a place to come and, and talk. You know, I've said this before. There's YouTubers out there that, that their inboxes get blowed up with all sorts of stories. There's no way to verify them. And devil's advocate, you know, I can't verify anybody that comes on here and tells their story. The difference is if you come on here and you tell your story, it comes out of your mouth. It doesn't come out of mine, (laughs) but you know, it's more about having people on and let us hear your experiences because I think that's, you know, that's what's important. And, and, you know, it's not one size fits all. I mean, yeah, retail sucks, you know, service industry sucks, but everybody's situation is a little bit different. I mean, you think it's some of the people had, like when we had, um, H on, you know, the Apple episode. Uh, and, and then we had the gentleman that worked in the wire place. You know, some of the stories we're starting to get are, I mean, hard hitting. I mean, we had the chat ready to get torches and, and pitchforks and go after people. And, you know, it, it gives people some, you know, somewhere to go do that. Totally anonymously. Yeah, I ain't going to blow nobody's cover, you know, and get the word out. And, and that's what we're doing. And, you know, it's as we keep moving, we get better and better people on. You know, yeah, of course, we would love to have Scott Sice, but Scott Sice is too busy flirting with the checkmark people on Twitter. I guess, you know, we're, we're, we're too lowbrow for Scott Sice now. If he wants to prove us wrong, eh, 
tag him in the video. <laughs> Come on, help the peasants out, so to speak. So, um, guys, listen, tomorrow's Thanksgiving. You know, some of us have to work. I'm working. Um, a little bit different scenario than I have worked in the past, so I'm okay with it. But, you know, to you guys over the next few days that are out there in the field, stay safe It's and, and mind your six, so to speak, because there's no telling what's going to happen. And I'm hoping Black Friday goes off without a hinge, you know, without a hitch. I really do. But, I, you know, part of me feels like it's going to be awful. And I hope to God Friday night when we have a recap, I can say, well, well I got nothing to report. That'd be great. And uh, But you got to stay safe for the next 30 days. You know, we're coming out and, we, you know, Black Friday's here. And then it's, you know, for you guys still in the business, you're going to put your head down and all of a sudden your head's going to come up and it's going to be like January 15th. It's just going to be a blur. But don't take no shit. Don't let anybody mistreat you. Know your worth. And put your foot down when you need to. Trust me, I don't think anybody getting fired in the next 30 days. So, yeah, like Maiden says, stay safe, everyone. And uh, I will keep you posted on if we have anything new coming up. Um, thank you guys for being here as usual. Uh, next Wednesday is going to be fun. So bring your questions. Bring your questions. It's going to be great because we're going to have an HR person for real. And uh, good job, Philly. Indeed, happy Turkey Day and good luck with all the retail hunger games. For those of you who get to spend time with your family tomorrow, enjoy it. If you don't have to work it and it's been the first time in a long time you haven't had to work it, enjoy every minute of it. Don't overeat, though, because that always ends bad. So, everybody, you guys have a great night, and we will see you next time.